Hey there, movie fans. Welcome to another episode of Tammy the Movie Nerd. I am Tammy the Movie Nerd that's your host, and thank you for joining me. This is a podcast where we talk about movies and nothing but movies and uh, look at it from an analyst point of view, since I've done that for several years. And also, um, I am a film school graduate, and so there's a lot of perspectives that I uh, review my movies with. So, is there a movie that you want me to view or review? Uh, please uh, feel free to either email me at movienerdtse at gmail.com. That's movienerdtse at gmail.com. Uh, or if you're listening to me on Spotify, you can click the message link below and you can send me a message that way. So, unfortunately, this weekend I didn't get to the movies. I was dealing, uh, I was actually hanging out with some relatives and it was, uh, we had a great time and everything. So, I didn't get to actually uh, do any uh, new movie reviews this week. But I did get a question, uh, this was a few months ago, where um, I was working with a bunch of young people and I was asked, about what made the 80s so great with movies. Because, you know, we had a lot of really good classic movies in the 80s. And, of course, the 80s, a lot of people like the 80s, and including me. Uh, so, um, and I actually have that question narrowed down to four different events that happened in the 80s. And uh, some of this is from my own observation and my own perspective. Uh, the others, uh, other analysts, other analysts, um, excuse me, there we go. Other analysts have also uh, backed up some of the things that I say, but, the, but one of them in particular, I think, had more of an impact than what some of the analysts, uh, what other analysts have said about it. And so what I thought about is I, I can narrow it down to like four different events. And so uh, I'm going to do an episode on each one of these events because um, when it comes to talking about history and things like that, it's, it's important to put the entire situation into perspective. And so, yeah, there may be some lengthy bits to this, but then again, there's also, you know, it's important to look at it uh, in, in the timeline a lot of times, and this one in particular. So uh, I want to do a four-part series, and of course, I'm still going to do my uh, Foreign Film Friday, so I won't interfere with that. Um, but So I'm going to be, over the next uh, four days or so, um, to go over each one of these, uh, each one of these series or each one of these uh, incidents that occurred in the '80s, that really uh, can explain uh, what happened in the '80s in the movies and what made the '80s movies so great. So let's start with at the beginning, and that is the first thing i think that made the 80s so great and one thing to remember is the 80s was a decade of reinvention and the first thing that we had happen in the 80s is there was a little bit of a change in demographic on the movie going audience 
And uh, it was more teenagers and young adults that were going to movies at that particular time. And again, this is my own analytic perspective. Uh, I do have a few analysts that there are some analysts out there that do agree that this happened, but uh, they don't think it had, it may not have had as big of an impact as I feel that it did because it, it really created a huge change. And let's look at it logically. If you have a three-year-old kid in 1970, by the time 1980 comes around, the kid's 13. So when the demographic changed from, uh, it, it was uh, to the teenage and young adult audience, and actually that is still pretty true even now um, that created a lot of reinvention. And the first thing that happened is the decline of the G-rated movie. So when I was a kid and I was growing up in the 70s, in the late 60s and 70s, Basically, you only had three ratings. You had the G rating, you had the PG rating, and you had the R rating. And the R rating was not as dominant as it is now. There were a lot of family movies that were uh, really good. You know, there were fun movies, there were good movies, and there were a bunch of movies that were out there for kids. And, of course, most of them helmed by, guess who? Disney. Now, one thing that Disney was doing a lot more of in the 70s that, that they weren't, that they, they did in the 50s and 60s, but there was a slew of live-action films that Disney was doing in the 70s, plus they had a handful of animated uh, movies as well. And one of the things that Disney was doing at the time is that they would put out an animated film, and what they would do is that they would uh, recycle uh, the animated movies every seven years. So you would have like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you know, they pick like about four animated movies that they would show like once a quarter or so uh in the in the 70s and then they would also have a live action film plus there were a couple of animated movies in the 70s as well you know because the aristocats and robin hood was also were, were animated films and the rescuers sorry there were more but you know there there were some newer animated disney films along with some of the old ones and along with these live action movies so disney really had a big big corner in the market a huge corner in the market. And so one thing that that did is, of course, that introduces us to some uh, to some actors. Uh, two in particular, uh, one is, of course, you have Kurt Russell. And Kurt Russell uh, was in a handful of these uh, live-action films. Because uh, there was uh, some of the ones that I that I remember seeing as a kid. I uh, saw the Boatniks. I saw um, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, A Million Dollar Duck, 
uh, first, then here's one with um, Kurt Russell in it with a, now you see him, now you don't. Uh, then you have like Super Dad, uh, the world's greatest athlete, which is another one that had uh, Kurt Russell in it. And uh, Strongest Man in the World, which is also, um, you know, Kurt Russell. So you had some of the Kurt Russell movies. And then you also had Jodie Foster. And uh, Jodie Foster was in uh, Candle Shoe, uh, Freaky Friday. Um, you know, they and those are the main two that she was in. And also, uh, I believe there was another one. Uh, there was one about a lion. Uh, what was it? I know it's here someplace. Made a note of it. I'm just trying to find it here. It's like Samantha and something. Let's see. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there was another, there were other movies, you know, there was another movie that she was in with uh, Johnny Whitaker. Uh, about a lion that I uh, can't remember the title. can't find it right now. So sorry about that. Uh, but that one too was also big. But as the 70s progressed, now the other thing that you also had too is that Disney had pretty much the corner of that market, but there were some movies that were also made by other studios that were also G-rated films because you had Charlotte's Web. Uh, there was another one that was called Happily Ever After, which was a, uh, you know, there was another one that was a kid's movie and so forth. But as the 70s was ending, we were getting fewer and fewer G-rated movies because simply they were not selling. And so this caused a little bit of a tift with uh, Disney. And then we had one movie that came out in 1982 that Disney put out uh, that, you know, they were trying. And again, this, uh, you know, there's uh, this is a movie that was, I would say, it was way ahead of its time. And I don't think that the technology was available to make it uh, very to make it the movie that they wanted. And that was a movie called Tron. And one of the things about Tron is that this movie came out in 82. Uh, this was a, I believe this was a PG rated movie. Uh, the budget was 17 million. It made 50 million. But one of the things that uh, happened with Tron is it created a huge division in the studio. And there was an animator in particular by the name of Don Bluth, whom you probably know best as the creator of uh, Elliot on Pete's Dragon. Um, he and a handful of animators uh, decided to do their own film that was called The Secret of Nim, which is also came out in 82. And this was, this was his uh, directorial debut because he did not want to work on Tron. And I believe this one was a G-rated movie. Yes, it was. Okay. 
So you have the secret of Nim, and uh, then Don Bluth, of course, breaks off, does his own uh, animation, uh, does his own animated studio, and then, of course, he's creating some other stuff, and I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. Uh, so what we had is that we had this decline of the G-rated film, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, uh, like I said earlier, is that you have a preteen by the end of the decade. So now movies were marketed more towards teenagers and young adults. Uh, there, And so the G-rated film started to really, really decline. And then the concept of a family movie was not as a big deal as it was in the 70s. And uh, then the 80s roll around and we have to do a complete and total reinvention. So how did they do that? Two ways. First, um, they would take, let's start with the comedy movies. One of the things that they did in comedies in the 80s is because the G-rated film and the, you know, because of the, the family movie, the concepts of the family movie uh, was kind of declining. We now have to look at how differently we make some of these movies. So what did they do? start with the comedies here. So we do one of several things. We start putting adult themes into comedy films. Now, most of the comedies, yes, uh, that even happened in the 70s and whatnot were did have some adult concepts in them and whatnot. But now we have to do something more to attract kids or young you know, say later age kids like eight, nine, 10 years old, that an eight, nine, and 10 year old would probably like, and the adults will enjoy it too, because there's enough, there's enough comedy in it to appease the adults. Now, it did create some challenges over the years, but, um, as far as how they do comedy movies now, we've done one of two things. Number one, we go to slapstick. So the slapstick movies, and um, again, we got preteens and young adults. So let's start with the movie called Airplane. So we do something similar. There's a lot of adult themes in Airplane. Would I recommend that movie for kids? Absolutely not. But we do have, you know, something that is adult enough for the adults, yet kids, you know, preteens or maybe older kids that are uh, even before preteen would probably still like it. The other thing that we do is that we put a cute little character in a film that the kids would probably think is cool. So what about 
the cute little gopher in Caddyshack. So we start adding elements of these films, you know, where, you know, you have the gopher, and of course everybody thinks the gopher's cute. You've got Bill Murray trying to kill this gopher, you know, so, you know, you have, a, and it's of course set in a golf course, and the primarily a lot of the cast are preteens or high school kids that, you know, are caddies in a, uh, in a country club. So, you know, so then we have this brilliant classic that's called Caddyshack and, uh, with some kind of cute character in it. Now let's look at Ghostbusters. What about the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and Ghostbusters? You know, that was kind of a cute character, even though it was, even though the movie was a little strange. And yeah, for its time, that movie was really, really strange. And the other thing that you could, that you would do too is, okay, look at Back to the Future. If you look at a movie like Back to the Future, uh, where you have modern era going into the past and seeing, you know, okay, uh, you know, there could be elements of Back to the Future that some people thought was a little creepy because, you know, he fought, you know, with his mother and his mother falls in love with him. And then, of course, you have to hook him up with the dad. But um, the concept of Back to the Future actually is kind of similar. You know, it, it had enough screwballness to it with, uh, you know, with the doctor, then, you know, and you had a great, just a great storyline and a great movie. So that's one way that we do, that we handle the family film. The second thing that we do, speaking of Back to the Future, because Back to the Future is one of these examples, is instead of making films for families, we start making a lot more movies about families. And because we're looking at teenagers and young adults, let's tackle teenage angst, teenage problems, and teenage uh, teenage life, if you will, into these films. And let's see what we do. So we make more films about families and family dynamics and also just teenage angst in and of itself. And while we're at it, we have this young up-and-coming director that we can helm these films, and he does absolute classics, and that is John so let's start with two boys, prepubescent boys, who want to meet up, you know, want to meet girls, but they're nerds. They're not, they're kind of the outcasts. They're kind of the, uh, they're kind of the, um, you know, kind of the outcasts of the crowd. And so, but because they're so great with computers, let's build one and call it Weird Science. 
So we have a movie like Weird Science. Uh, then uh, the other thing that we also have is what about a teenager's worst nightmare and their family forgetting their 16th birthday? And let's do a film on that where the sister's wedding becomes more important than the 16th birthday of their other daughter. And let's call that 16 Candles. Then we also have teenagers, five teenagers sent to detention on a Saturday and finding out more about themselves in that time than they ever will in their lives. And let's call that the Breakfast Club. Then we have also the poor girl living in, not, doesn't have a lot of money, falling in love with an affluent boy, wanting to date him, and let's call that pretty in pink. Then, how about a kid who's just wants to play hooky from school and creates his own adventure on Ferris Bueller's Day Off? You know, so all of these movies, and I want to add one in particular here because the, the house husband losing his job and has to, and his wife goes back to work, so he has to take care of the household. And let's call that one Mr. Mom. Very underrated film. I loved Mr. Mom. I thought that was great. So then what else do we have from John Hughes? Last but not least, but the ever never-ending adventures of the Griswolds with the National Lapoon Vacation Series. So you, we make movies about families and about family dysfunction in a lot of cases. And so now we have ultimate classics because these films are funny, they're relatable, and also sometimes they provoke conversations amongst parents and their kids. Because if you look at a film like 16 Candles, or you look at a film like The Breakfast Club, and you have adults watching that as much as the kids are, and then they wonder, do their kids have challenges like these other kids do? It created a it can create a lot of conversation between parents and kids. So that's what we do with the family films. But now we have one more problem. With the demise of the G-rated film, what do we replace it with? So kids like you know, preteens and young adults like more action. They, you know, they may be used to more violence. They may be used to, you know, they may uh, have different tastes. And maybe they don't want to sit through 16 Candles. Maybe they don't want to sit through, um, you know, Pretty in Pink or anything like that. So then, with the return of the blockbuster, which that's another one that's coming up later, I'll cover that on another episode. You have 
a new rating. So it started with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in 1984. And so now they have to adjust the PG rating and add a little bit more more violence and more things that are going on. And I'll explain that uh, in the episode, in another episode. But um, then we have this PG-13 rating. And there were two movies, I think, that if I remember, if my memory serves me correctly, the two movies that started the PG-13 rating is, uh, first of all, was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and the other one was called The Final Conflict, which was the uh, the last part of the Omen series. Uh, And uh, the reason for that one, the reason for The Final Conflict, I'm going to cover in another episode because there's some new genres and things that have come up, or uh, genres that are really going through the roof in the 80s that didn't before. Um, so we'll cover that here. Uh, I'll be covering that in another episode, but, um, we now have a new rating system and a new rating that can, um, actually add more making movies more what they, um, what they can be. And so as far as what happened with the family movies, the change in dynamic, uh, the fewer demand of the family film. That's one thing that made the eighties a little, you know, different. Uh, the other thing too, and the, uh, that I do want to add to this is there were a lot more movies that were also geared toward women. Uh, we were having more women in the workforce, uh, so that also created a little bit of a change in the dynamic. So we have Working Girl, we have movies like Working Girl, um, Nine to Five, uh, just uh, Tootsie. Even if you look at Tootsie, uh, which is another one that I, I that's just a classic that is that was so well done where Dustin Hoffman covers both ends of the spectrum, if you really want to look at it that way. Uh, A movie like Tootsie was geared a lot more toward women. So we had quite a few movies, because even think about it, 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, even, uh, you know, other movies like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You know, we, we have so many of these movies that are also... Uh, geared more towards, you know, uh, some of them even uh, appealing to women. Now, there could be, Fast Times at Ridgemont High could be argument, uh, arguably uh, for geared towards women, but there were a lot of female uh, characters in that. Um, and, of course, you know, we have the Karate Kid. We have, you know, we have other things, too, that, that also uh, dealt with a lot of the teenage, a lot of teenage issues. So. As far as, that's the first reason why that I would say that uh, what made the 80s films great is the fact that, you know, with the change in demographic and we had to completely reinvent the way that some of these films were uh, made and some of these films are 
are done. Um, the last and as one more thing just to mention is that uh, in the with G-rated films, the last few G-rated movies that were made in the eighties and these were more in the early eighties. Uh, actually created some controversy because they were basically promoting toys. So the Care Bears movie, the My Little Pony movie, the Transformers movie, the He-Man movie, the G.I. Joe movie, those that came out were actually more to promote toys. And that also created a different way that movies could be made for kids. And, uh, the, you know, there's a whole big controversy about product placement. And that's an, another episode for another time. But there's, uh, so as far as what happened with the family film and what had to be reinvented, that created quite a number of classics. And so I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I'm actually, I'll uh, talk about another change uh, that happened in the 80s that caused a lot of reinvention. And uh, this one's really big. Uh, so I will uh, cover that one on uh, the next episode and I will still do uh, Foreign Film Friday and then Saturday and Sunday I'll cover the last two. So uh, feel free to uh, email me at movienerdtse at gmail.com or if you're listening to me on Spotify, uh, click on the message button if there's a movie that you want me to view or review. And thank you folks for listening and you guys have a wonderful day and I hope that this was helpful for you.